0: Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For for if anyone Things he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. At this time, living God, help us now to hear Your holy word, that we may truly understand. That understanding, we may believe and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Today is Thanksgiving Sunday, but we are continuing on with our Galatians series. We just have two more left, including today. And today we come upon uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, to 6 verse 5. Many people and scholars and commentators, they believe that verse 26 should have been technically a part of chapter 6. So we've put this together. And there is basically two things that this passage is talking about. Number one is in gospel relationships, how not to treat each other. And number two in gospel relationships, how to treat each other. How not to treat each other and how to treat each other. I have a picture that I sent that I wanted to maybe put up. This was uh, by a youth pastor in Pilgrim Church, and he sent it to me because he was so proud that he made this. And I, I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of like that, that guy who would put his kid's stuff on the refrigerator, but I wanted to show you this. Um, he said he was inspired by last week's sermon so to keep in step with the Spirit, we have to hold the line, and he added this a little eschatological phrase in the bottom, and if you don't know what that says, that says the day is coming. So hold the line, the day is coming. And I wanted to give props to that, but um, we can take that off now. But as we keep in step with the Spirit, there are things that happen, um, and we need to continue on. And here in verse 26 it says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The word conceit here is kenodoxis. And kenodoxis is translated here as conceit, but there, I don't think it's the perfect way because it encompasses more than just conceit there is an old English word that's also used in some translations and it's called vainglory. Vainglory is used to translate canadoxis and vainglory is empty honor or being falsely proud. So canadoxis, let us not become canadoxis. Let us not become vainglorious. Let us not have empty honor or be falsely proud. It encompasses, when you think about it, it encompasses more than just conceit, but conceit is there. And so as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit, as we hold the line and stay with him, Paul is saying, do not become vainglorious. Because when we become vainglorious, one of two things happen. Number one, we start provoking one another and provoke means to challenge another to a contest. Provoke means to challenge one another, or another person to a contest. When you provoke someone, it's because we are so sure of our superiority that we must demonstrate it because we need others to also know and feel how superior we are. We are in so much need. We become so needy In this state of empty honor, of this vain glory, and we become excessively competitive. We can't stand losing. And many times if we are to lose or even come close to losing, we have to show and say and tell people our own side of things. The rest were bad. Well, only if this happened, only if this person carried his own weight in this team, Because in the end, we believe there's no way I can be inferior to you. And when we start provoking one another, when we have this vain glory, we see that it is a perpetual looking down on others because you feel like you are superior. And this manifests into the picture. When you provoke one another, what you really are doing is you are pushing other people down you're constantly pushing people down so that you can stay up on top another side of vainglory is envying one another and envying and provoking are two different things and they come out from this vainglory this kenodoxis. and envying one another is being jealous of other people's gifts abilities and or achievements This vainglory leads us to envy. Envying is a position of inferiority. And we are conscious of our inferiority and we're constantly looking up at people that we feel are above us. A perpetual looking up because you feel you are superior. And you might think, well, that's not really conceit, but it really is. It is vainglory because what that manifests into You may not be pushing people down, but what manifests into is you start pulling people down. Ultimately, both provoking and envying one another are two sides of the same coin of vainglory. Because the focus is on the self, it's about you being superior or inferior, but it's about you. And both the superior and the inferior try to gain worth through competition where you push or pull others down. Both gain their identity by beating and surpassing the other and both are proud. And we are shown that by thinking of ourselves highly or lowly, it's not pride and humility. Both are pride because in the end we are just thinking About ourselves and this is not the gospel if we live our lives in this manner paul is saying it very clearly here let us not become conceited let us not become conceited we are not living gospel centric lives when we don't live in gospel freedom we start becoming conceited provoking one another envying one another so when we are becoming like the spirit Gaining the fruit of the Spirit, we are not doing is we are not becoming vainglorious. So then because we have this gospel freedom and we are keeping in step with the Spirit, we should become like what? In verse 1 of chapter 6, Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression or in any transgression, and here it is. Before, when you were vainglorious, you waited for that opportunity, that chance to crush or drag the other person down. Everyone has a weakness, and you were there to exploit it. He's going down today. She's going to learn her lesson right now. Before you started to keep in step with the Spirit you waited for that opportunity, the chance to exploit. But verse one says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now when we walk in gospel freedom, keep in step with the spirit, we don't crush or drag people down, but we are to restore them. We are now, instead of pushing or pulling down we are to lift them up and this is really really important that we don't miss this it's to be done in a spirit of gentleness you know it's the same word gentleness is the same word that paul used right before in the fruit of the spirit that gentleness is the same word gentleness here the fruit of the spirit is involved when we restore others When we're lifting up others, we see that the fruit of the Spirit is involved. You have to have it. So in gentleness, we who are spiritual, and can we really get into this, but basically we who are spiritual, meaning we who have received the Holy Spirit, should restore the one that has sinned or transgressed. This word restore, it means to put back into order. And you see this term used when People use this term when there was a bone or a joint dislocated, you would restore it back into place. But this also is reminiscent of creative order. You know, this past Wednesday, and I love our discipleship groups, people have so many good things to say, even though I'm the one discipling, I feel like I am being discipled in many ways. I learn so much what people are sharing, what they're going through, but... This order is what we saw when God created the universe. And we went over this this past Wednesday. When God created the world, there was order that was placed. And when you start reading even Genesis 1, there are some things that we just can't picture. How can waters be just everywhere? There's a picture and someone said, I just can't explain. How can it be that way? I can't even imagine it. And I said, exactly exactly. We were meant to live in order and not chaos. And right now what we are seeing, we see and we're surprised because we see chaos coming. We see the world breaking apart with extreme storms, with wind and water just tearing everything apart. And we know innately, we know inside there is something wrong with that. There's something wrong here. And when we live in the gospel, what we are to do is we are to restore others, put them back into place in a spirit of gentleness. And he says, watch out. If you don't do this, meaning you say either, nope, it's not my problem, or you do it without the spirit of gentleness, watch out because you will be tempted too. We can see this in our own lives, don't we? You can see that when someone blows up, or on the other side, someone clams up. When something bad happens, you either blow up or clam up. You pick arguments or you avoid confrontation altogether. But there was a transgression that took place. Either way, what, hap- what is happening isn't the inner workings of the gospel in our lives, but it is what we have to understand when we blow up or clam up, that is not gospel. That is vain glory. When you get criticized, do we get angry or judgmental? Or do we on the other side feel very discouraged and we become defensive? And Paul is continuing to say in verse one watch out, keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. Meaning, don't take this lightly. Take this seriously. So how do we watch out? What do we do? In verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Law of Christ is to love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus says. A new command I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. Christ showed us the way by bearing our sins and shame. Something that we could have never done on our own. And now he asks us to bear one another's burdens. What are these burdens? When we live through life, there are worries, there are temptations, um, there are doubts, there are sorrows. These things, they were not meant to be carried alone. They were meant to be carried by one another And this is what Paul is saying. This fulfills the law of Christ. The picture that you see here is someone coming up close to you and helping you carry that heavy load, which burden means literally. It literally means heavy load. And when you come up close to someone to bear another's burdens, we see the purpose of God for his people. It really wasn't to live separately, live our own separate ways, do our own separate things. But we were meant to stay in close proximity to one another. And this is how we birth this deep and profound gospel friendship. And this really gives a deeper understanding So when Jesus said in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. The master just tells his servants what to do from afar, but a friend is in close proximity. And at this point, now I'm just like, what? That's crazy. The Lord of all, creator of the universe, King of all kings is close to me. In that same way, we are being admonished now, bear your burdens with one another. Be close to each other. Martin Luther says, this is how you bear one another's burdens, run unto him, meaning the person that has a burden, run unto him, reaching out your hand, raise him up again, comfort him with sweet words, and embrace him with motherly arms. When we don't do that and we instead say, no, let this person come to me, we think we are something when we are actually nothing, thereby deceiving ourselves. If we aren't the ones initiating and going to people, Then we are the self-important people and do not have that servant heart. And verse four may be difficult to read, but we are being shown that each of us has giftings that we ought to be using and testing, and not comparing, and not being proud. I just want to really go to quickly to verse five. For each one, or each will have a, uh, will each will have to bear his own load, and. That is not uh, contradicting, load and burden are not contradicting here. Load is actually, uh, the picture that you see for load is like a backpack. Each person has a load they have to carry. And that's a responsibility that Christ has given us. This is different from a burden because, once again, burdens were meant to be carried together and loads were meant to be carried uh, separately. That's why those two words, even in the Greek, is different. And this is, the load is actually accounting. It's an accounting of what we have to show Christ in the end. Um, It really just says that even though I can help you carry your burdens, I can't live your life for you. I'm not the one, honestly, getting up in your shoes every morning. And it shows us at least two things. If we are to carry our own loads, that means we can't be, quick to judge another person we can't be quick to judge another we don't know what's in the other person's backpack and number two is we should be generous we know what's in our packs and we know that God gave us these things not to hoard it but to give out generously. I honestly think when we have our own load to carry and Christ comes and there's an accounting to give to Christ, and he goes, open your backpack, that backpack is not about how much did you hoard, but how much did you give. Jesus himself says, those that clothed the poor, fed the poor, sheltered the poor, they actually clothed, fed, and sheltered me. And that's how he judges. That's the load. That's why we have to be very, very careful and really listen to the admonishment that Paul is giving. Don't be tempted. Don't start thinking, oh my gosh, I can do whatever. I'm not my brother's keeper. And in the end, we see a reversal of what Christ has done by dying on the cross, by, raising up, by being raised up again and saying you have to love one another as I have loved you Christ is saying now, yes, there is a reversal of what happened when God asked Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain responded, am I my brother's keeper? And through Jesus Christ, the answer now is yes. Yes, we are our brother's keeper in Christ. And to live that out, we see a picture of what God wants for the church. We sang some beautiful lyrics today. And one of the lyrics we were singing says, let now the church um, be your bride as you pictured in your heart. I'm, I'm butchering it completely. But it is really about that. Jesus Christ had a picture of his bride, the way the church should be. And we see that being played out when we live out these verses. When we have gospel relationships, when we have a deep and profound gospel friendship. To do that, let me give you just one piece of advice, just one. You have to be proximate. You have to be proximate. When you want to bear each other's burdens, you have to get close to the person. You can't bear another person's burden from far away. You can't just magically say, "Mm, i help you. It doesn't work that way. You have to go up alongside that person and help them lift that burden up. That's the picture that we see. And we see that for all areas of life. We see the church bearing one another's burdens. You know, I am so thankful that you are here today. But if you leave today and there is nobody, nobody, that came to close proximity to you. What I am saying here is we are not living up to the standard, the gospel standard that God is showing us in this passage. I was meant to stand alongside you, to bear your burdens together together. I wasn't meant to push you down knowing and exploiting your weakness. I wasn't meant to pull you down saying, look, now you're just as bad as me. I was there to lift you up and to do that, we have to be proximate. There's no other way. There's no other way. Um, Friday was a long day for me. And um, came in the morning, we had all this work that we had to do. And then um, we dropped off the boxes, and then right after I had to run to a meeting. Uh, someone wanted to meet with me, had some serious questions, and um, I met with that person. And it took about you know two hours, and so there was a counseling session for about two hours. And then afterwards, uh, on Friday I usually go home and spend time with my wife, um, but. You know, it was like 6.30. I just ended my meeting. I had to go to the gym. He like, "No, you cannot go to the gym. So I was like, I have to go to the gym. So I texted her, I got to go to the gym. I'll be back. So I got to the gym around 7. Got a really quick workout in, which is like an hour and 15 minutes. But I got a quick workout in, and then I went back home. And when I went back home, it was about 8.30. And my wife was cooking dinner. And so I went up and I said, hello, I'm home. And then there were tears all over her eyes. I was just like, I had to go to the gym. No, I didn't say that. Um, there, were tears, there were tears streaming down her eyes as she was cooking. I was like, what happened? What is going on? And I felt like all these thoughts came to my head, like, did I do something wrong? By the way, ladies, if you start crying, that's what, this is what every guy thinks, so... If you don't, if you don't have to cry, please, please don't. But I, I know this is, this wasn't like, um, she was doing this to me, per, um, purpose or personally. But there were tears coming out. She was cooking dinner, and it's like, what happened? And I knew that she went to the dentist earlier, and that she had some work done on her teeth. Um, but she came back home, and you know, after asking, it, her teeth hurt so bad that she couldn't, like. She couldn't function. She was cooking dinner because she was in the middle, but it hurt so bad, just tears were coming down her eyes. And at that point, I got to tell you, as a husband, uh, I felt so helpless. And that is like one of the worst feelings to have when you feel helpless to help someone that you love. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. So um, we went into prayer. Um, I immediately called people I knew. It's like, is there anybody that can help her? Um, it's like, can someone see her the next day? And I started calling people. You know, you told me you had this great dentist. Please let me know. There's this great dentist at Pilgrim Church. It's like, what's his number? <laughs> you know, and I'm calling people up. And the next day, we came for morning prayer. And on Saturday at 8 a.m., we pray every day for our, every, every week for our church. And the next day, um, everybody started to help. Everybody started to go to her and say, I have this dentist. Can you try this number? I think they're open today. I'm not sure if your insurance covers this. And so eh, I could see everyone really just going to her, giving her numbers. They give me their numbers. For We spent about an hour calling dentists and calling other people to see who can take her at the time. And then we couldn't find anybody on uh, Saturday, so she's hopped up on Advil right now listening to this. Um, But we have an appointment on Monday that she can go to. But I saw a picture of when I felt completely helpless, God was showing me this isn't a burden that you could have carried on your own, and you have each other to do that. And honestly, just the fact that people came up to my wife and started freely offering her uh, the advice that they knew or they had gave me a sense of incredible thankfulness. Now I was so happy. And I was so thankful for our church. I'm going to go back to that number one advice. If you want to help each other carry each other's burdens, you have to be proximate. You have to stay close. And there are ways to do it and not to do it, just like we learned. There are ways that we should do it and not do it. But if you are not proximate, there is no way you could do it. But when we become proximate, we start bearing each other's burdens, we see this beautiful picture of what the church should be take place. I'm encouraging you. Being proximate is relational. Stay a little while. Talk to somebody. Share your prayer request. Share them with me. I would love to hear it, and I will pray for you. But be proximate. Don't clam up. Don't separate yourself. Don't blow up outside, but stay proximate and stay with the church. And in doing that, we become gospel friends. We truly have a picture of what the church should be that Jesus envisioned. Yeah. Um, I- you know, when, when you say stuff like this, some people are like, well, I've heard in the past people have come up to me and said, Pastor Eugene, you don't know. I come to church way too much. I come to church every day. So here's the other side. OMG, I go to church too often, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. And there isn't a, a feeling of thankfulness. There isn't a feeling of growth. There's just a feeling of work. And I agree when you do stuff like that. uh, In the spirit of works righteousness, it is not gospel righteousness. So yes, if you feel like you come to church too much, you've been doing it for work and you shouldn't come to church. But as we become free in the gospel, we long to be with one another. I want to see your face. I want to pray with you. I want to spend time with you. Even if it's Saturday morning when we just spend an hour here at 9 a.m., we literally literally spend at least 30 minutes outside drinking coffee, eating these mini donuts that aren't good. But, man, I'm hungry by that time, so I'll just eat like five of them. And then I'll be like, sorry, I have to go to the gym. But um, I'll eat like five of them. But we spend time with each other, talking with one another, sharing with one another, and... Bearing each other's burdens. This is what I mean by proximate. This is what I mean by living in gospel freedom. I'm encouraging all of you that's hearing this today. There is power to scatter when we gather in this way. When we gather to be proximate, to lift up the other, to energize, to restore the person, that means when we scatter, we are energized to be that light and salt of the earth as Jesus commanded us. My friends, my brothers and sisters, I pray that you will hear this and follow it. This is the beautiful picture God is showing us what the church should be like. And in a sense, I am incredibly thankful for what I have been shown. Um, I have a friend whose dad is an elder of a big church, and I'll just end with this. I have a friend uh, whose dad is an elder of a huge church, but he had this huge company. And um, some of us may know that person, so I'm not going to give too many details, but he had this huge company and he was making millions of dollars in revenue. And in the end, uh, he gave it to his son to run. He was a young man in his 20s when he started training his son. And I was like, wow, that's pretty young because your dad's not that young either. And he would go to me, he's like, yeah, it's because he loves church. He just wants to be in church. So he's just going to give me the business and he wants to live at church. And I said, wait, doesn't that take a toll on your family by being in church so much? But when he was telling me this, he couldn't have been more proud of his father sharing this story. There is, even if we equally go to church a lot or don't go to a lot, there is a way when we do it in works righteousness that drains us, that makes us burned out that makes us tired and weary, and there is a way of doing it in gospel righteousness where we see that in close proximity, we become lifted up, and not only we ourselves become lifted up, our families become lifted up, our spouses become lifted up, our children become lifted up, and in this gospel relationship, in close proximity, we see the church being lifted up, and this is the picture that we are being shown here, and this is the picture That we are called to live as Christians, true friends of one another because we know that Christ was a true friend to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given us. In many ways, it is challenging and it challenges us even right now as we listen. But Lord God, as we listen, we pray that your spirit would do a work within us, that your spirit would be the one filling us, changing us, giving the fruit of the spirit in our lives so that we can truly have the gospel relationships you call us to have. As we reflect on this passage and the message that we've heard today can I ask you to be honest? What are the burdens that God and the Holy Spirit is calling you to bear for one another? And let's pray that we can bear one another's burdens, restoring one another and lifting each other up, thereby being the true church called us to be. Let's pray.